we're going back to our doctrines, and we're going to go. It's actually actually very interesting. It's the doctrine of Christ, humanity of Christ, Him being man and God at the same time. You say, why is that important? You're going to see why it's important. Many different things pointed out in, in, in our Bibles. We look at these. I'll wait for you to get those out. You make sure you pray for these missionaries that are coming, and you pray for Brother Snyder. You will like Brother Snyder. Um, he's the director of BIMI. He's the one that runs the whole show there and does a great job, and he's got a lot of missionaries under him that he has to take care of. And I know that he would appreciate your prayers. I called him yesterday, and he said, well, I'm out at West Coast. I said, well, my daughter's out there. You need to make sure you see her. So it's good to see that people are getting around and doing what they need to, need to do. Tonight, again, we're going to talk about the doctrine of Christ. And you're going to have to take your pen out, all right? Don't rely on your spouse to do this, okay? Just write it down, okay? There's some things in here, and most of these that I'm going to give you are verses. They're already out there, but I do this so that you can have these in reference to look at these. In one section at the very bottom, point number two, we're going to look, I'm going to give you the verses where you can look them up later. Don't get concerned. He's got 11 points there. How are you going to go over that? We're going to go over them pretty quick, but I want you to follow along with me. All right, let's go ahead and start with this. And it says, humanity of Christ. Christ was called himself man and was called by the same. You say, that. why is that important? He wasn't just the one that did it, but men called him that. You're going to see some of these references when we look at them. You're going to see Christ call himself that. And why is that important? Because he was man. He was God. We can't figure out the whole thing, but that's what he was. And so let's, let's look at this, and I want you to see this. In John chapter 8, verse 40, Christ is speaking, and he says this, But now you seek to kill me. A, what's the next word on that, in that verse? A man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God, thus said, thus did um, not Abraham. Here he's referring to himself as a man because he was a man and he was God. So that's very important to us because it's the doctrine of Christ. And this, the next point is in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. Who wrote the book of Acts? Paul did. And here we go in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. It says this, Ye men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among, among you by miracles and wonders and sign, which God did by him in the midst of you, as, as ye yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, he ha, ye have taken and, be wicked, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden to it. Here he's talking about the man Christ when he was on this earth. And don't get confused, I'm not taking anything out of his deity. I'm just pointing the fact out that he was a man as much as he was God. And so here, here, here's some, another verse. This is an interesting verse. In um, Romans chapter 5, verse 15. It says, not, but not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For through the offense of one, many, many be dead. Much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by, what's the next word? Two words, one man. Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. Here he's again, and this is, this is written in the book of Romans. And then Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. This is probably the one that we all know when it talks about the man. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, men, the man, Christ Jesus. 
He didn't say the God Christ Jesus because he was wanting to show that he was as much man as he was God. It's very interesting when you study, study the attributes of God, we think, oh, it's hard to attain it. It's really not that hard to attain on certain things. You know, we're going to look at some of the things, his categories, that, that how he was raised, and we're going to look at all these different things that show his humanity. Why is that important? You're going to see at the very end why it's important. We say, well, we don't understand some things. I don't understand the Trinity, how they can all be God and they're all one. But as I as pointed out to you before, we can look at Trinity in one aspect and we understand it, the, 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 the aspect of water. Do you realize that there's water? Water can be in three forms. What is it? It can be a liquid we can drink. It can be an ice. And then it can be a steam. All three of these are water. It doesn't take away anything. They're all the same. In fact, you can take the same water, get it out of a tab, put it in a, in a freezer, make it ice, then take it out of that and put it in a tea kettle and make it steam. It's the same thing. It's all three different categories. It's all three different aspects of it. So here we go, and we're gonna, I, want you, I want you to see these, okay? So humanity of Christ. Christ called himself man and was called by the same. Point letter, letter A, the genealogies of Jesus speak of his natural human descent. They talk about where he came from. And the, the, the verses here is, is, of course, in Matthew chapter 1. I think it goes 1 through 17. And sometimes when we read these, we, we, we look at them, and, and God always puts interesting facts in, in the Bible. And when you study this, it'll talk about um, to David, and then it talks about David, and it even brings up Uriah, and they're very interesting that, they bring, that he brings that up. But it shows that he's the lineage of Abraham. He was the lineage of... Uh, uh, of David. So he's the son of David and he was the son of Abraham. Jesus is that, in that lineage is. That's very important because it shows where he came from when it comes to the families. And some of these people that are in there, they're not good people. But, but God, brought, God was brought through that and God can use, un, he can use wicked people. He can use whatever he wants. So the genealogies of Jesus speak of his, of his natural human descent. It's showing person by person by person. How many different um, generations are found in, Genesis, in Matthew chapter 1? Do you know? Remember there's sets of 14? And there's how many of them? There's three of them. And it brings them all in, into perspective. So there's 14, 28. You're, you're the mathematician. It would be four, 28 plus 14 would be 42. 42 in a line that shows where Jesus came from who? Adam to Jesus. And in there, of course, you have David, you have Abraham, you have all these other men that are mentioned. Uh, and and as, as we look at this, it shows that he comes from a natural human descent. Letter B, it says the identity for Christ was prophesied. The identity for Christ was prophesied. You say, where do you, what verses can you get this? It says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. It's talking about how it's going to go from that genealogy to Christ. And he says, in thy seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What's this talk about Christ coming back? He was prophesied coming back. And we can see it, and it shows so many attributes of him. And as we study this, I hope you've understood exactly who Christ is. 
And this next verse, remember I told you he was the son of David and he was son of Abraham. Look in Matthew chapter 21, verses 15 and 16. Write that down. Matthew chapter 21, verses 15 and 16. This is an interesting passage because here Christ is speaking and the high priests are upset at him. He says, and when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. What were they displeased with? They weren't necessarily displeased with the acts that he had done. In this statement, what were they displeased with? Look at it and see what they were. They were upset at what they called him. There's no way that you could go and say, okay, I'm, I, I am so mad that Jesus did all these different things. And they weren't upset about, they were upset about everything he did, mind you. But in this aspect, they're mad because of what they called him. Look what they called him. Let's look at this one more time. It says, it says and when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased and said unto him, Hearest thou what, the, what these say? It wasn't about what he was doing. It was about what he was called. It's very important to understand that. They were upset. Why? Because he is claiming the lineage of David here. He's not correcting them because he was from that. It says, And Jesus said unto him, Ye, yea, have ye never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. <laughs> That's a great statement back to them. I, I would love, I, I hope when we get to heaven that we can see some of these on video of what really, what, how Jesus responded to these people. And I would like to see their reaction. The chief priests had nothing to stand for. And what were the chief priests there for? In its own terminology, the chief priests are what? To point to God. And here God's standing in front of them and they, they reject Him. Why did they reject Him? Because of what we're studying right now. He was just a man in their eyes. A man that could do wonderful things, and they said it in this verse, but they did not want Him to be recognized with the lineage that they were trying to track. The priests were upset at everything that He was doing, but they were really upset about what they called him, because when you say he's the son of David and the son of Abraham, you're admitting because they knew that the Christ was going to become from those, those seeds. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. They knew where they were going to come. So when they all of a sudden say the son of David or the son of Abraham, it made them infuriated towards them. And, he's, and he's actually getting, they're actually up, even getting upset at the children for saying it. They don't want the children to be taught that. They don't want the children to believe that. And here Jesus is saying, listen, they've perfected their praise. All you are here for is to scrutinize everything that I do. It's amazing if you, if you think of some of the stories that we see miracle after miracle and these guys get upset. And then you study some of Jesus' miracles on the earth and people ask Him to leave. We don't want you here. Remember the story of the swine? Sends the demons in the swine, swine go in the water. The people come back and say, we don't want you here. What was it for? Because they had lost their livestock. They didn't want him there anymore. It's amazing what people turn, how people turn Christ away. The identity for Christ was prophesied. The title Son of David clearly establishes Jesus as what? Jewish. It was Jewish. I didn't like that either. 
chief priests, they, they didn't want that. They didn't like that. And it shows his humanity. Galatians chapter 3. Now remember, this is in the, Old, in the New Testament. It says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to, that, and to thy seed, which is what? Christ. This is linking David to Christ again. You say, why is that important? Because it's on more than one occasion that this happens. It's evident that he was the son of David. He was in that lineage. That's important for us to understand because David was promised that. Abraham was promised that. And so then Jesus comes along and they're still looking. And that's what amazes me, Bernard, when you look at what the Jews are looking for. There is no way they can get more perfect aspect of a person than Christ. And they're still looking because he did not come the way that they wanted. He came as a what? As a babe, as a man. What they wanted is they wanted him to rise up like a king. We studied the kings this morning. He had four, the first four kings, three of them ended up bad. And they want someone to come as a king to rule. He'll rule, but it's not at this time. He came to die. And so here he's saying, and Paul is writing in the church of Galatia, and he says, it's the man Christ Jesus, son of Abraham. And so you see these lineage. You see, this, the, the Bible is just a, a perfect puzzle that fits together but never messes up. You ever watch something? I, was, I, I, think, I, was, I think Wayne and I were looking at the newspaper yesterday, and, and on the front page of the newspaper here in Kingsport, it said there was a typo on the front page. I said, do you not think they do, do, do typos? They, they check these typos? The Bible doesn't have any of those. It said that Donald Trump on the front page of yesterday's paper asked for $8 million for the wall. They just missed it by one letter. It said 8B, eight 8M, eight it's supposed to be 8B. There is a big difference between million and billion. <laughs> and trillion and zillion. You know, and we, I sat there and said, they don't, they don't even proofread it. And so we look at this and the Bible's intertwined and everything is perfect. If you didn't think it was perfect, do you think people would really go on that and find it out and seek people and say, look where the Bible's messed up. There's those two verses in, in Proverbs where it says, answer not a fool, and then the next one says, answer a fool. Oh, that's not a, that's not a contradiction. You've got to know when to do it. The problem is you've got to pick the fool and figure out what you're going to do with him. Amen? You need to be quiet or do you need to say something? And those verses tell you exactly what, they need, what you need to do. So here it's showing that he's the son of Abraham. Um, Paul writes this. There's another verse. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30 through 33. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 33. And it says, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth the Son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, what? David. So Mary was in that lineage, and it says this, it says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And here, he's not even referring to David, he brings it back to Jacob. And so he's got all these people that are lined up, and it's showing that he is a Jew. The, the humanity of Jesus is Jewish, and it just performs that again. The, 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 and point number, letter D, it says the title was 
son, the title the Son of Man speaks strongly of his humanity. It's interesting, the Son of Man. What I would call him, if I were to refer to him, I'd say the Son of God. But on numerous occasions, he's called the Son of Man. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The, the, the writer Mark says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He is pointing out the humanity of Christ. He's saying he's the Son of Man. You say, well, Pastor Ryan, why do you keep bringing this up? Because it shows you that he was man and he was God all at one time. I've got something to read at the very end, and it's important for us to understand what, who Jesus really was. Why is this important? It refers back to our salvation. He had to become a man to be a sacrifice for us. But he was also God. All right, so let's go to this. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. It's interesting. That's an interesting verse because I just think when I, when I read this, it always reminds me that we're supposed to minister because we're supposed to be like Christ. It always, it always makes me laugh when people call me a minister or clergy. I always like that. You see those on cars. He's a, he's a, he's a clergyman. And they'll look at me and I go, Who? I, I liked what Daniel's dad did one time. He was at a, was it a, where? He was at a Catholic hospital and they needed someone to come in and see a patient. And so they said, listen, we need a bishop. And he goes, I'm a bishop. <laughs> That's his last name, by the way, if you're visiting with us, his bishop. And so he went in and finally they realized he was a Baptist preacher. His last name was Bishop. I've seen, every, I've seen preachers' names with Christian as their last name. I just saw an advertisement on this TV in, in Kingsport. The last, he's an insurance salesman. You've got to trust him. His last name's Bible. You know, as you look at all these different things, these names mean something. He was the Son of God. He was the Son of Man. And that's important because he was a sacrifice for us. Isn't it great that the Bible just, again, just intertwines itself and there's no mistakes? Out of all the different writers of the Bible, do you not think if God wasn't involved, there would be conflict with them? Especially when you read some of the books that repeat each other. First Kings, First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles. You see, you see some duplication. You go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and you see man's interpretation of what God was. And it's so evident with these men. What was Matthew? He's a tax collector. He deals with a lot of different finances and money. And then you look at Luke and you see the, 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 the physician where he shows the miracles and he shows how much God loved him. And John was the one that was he, the beloved. He was the one that when he, when he looked at it, he was all about how God loved him and God loved us. And there's nothing wrong with the, the four attributes of these men, but they all show who God was and they were all intertwined and there was nothing wrong with that. So we've got to understand that in this, that God, that Jesus was God and he was man. In this verse it says, um, this, the title, Son of Man, speaks strongly of humanity. Now the next one's a kind of interesting statement. Christ was subjects to the law of human nature when he was born. What does this mean? When he was born in a stable, Jesus, the Son of Man, Son of God, was in one place. 
Understand that. He was in a stable. Now, God was everywhere, but the, the, God's, the Son of Man, the Son of God, He was in one place. Where was He at? He was in a stable. His omni words were not all intact at that point. He had to go and had to relinquish some of those. Watch. He relinquished omnipresent. He wasn't everywhere at all times at this point. He was that, because He was doing it for us. What about omnipotent? Was He all-powerful? No. Not at that point. Joseph and Mary were in charge of him. Now, the interesting one is omniscient. Because we know when he became his, in his servanthood, what? He took that omniscient. He, he all of a sudden did it. Was he om, om, omnipotent? Oh, yeah. He, he has the power. He had the power to change things. He had the power to do miracles. So sometimes he used them. Sometimes he didn't at this point. When he was a baby, he didn't have any of these. And she say, why is that so important? Because he was a man. He, ca- he get left heaven to do this for us. And there's nothing doctrinally incorrect with that. But when you, when you realize when he went to minister to people, remember how many, ta- how many times did he say? He answered people when they thought something. All of a sudden, he, he knows what they're thinking. And while, they were, I mean, he's, and while they were yet thinking or speaking or saying or thinking, here Jesus answers their question. I want to tell you, if that was alone, if I saw that, that'd be a miracle enough for me to understand who he was. Think about that. And some of these people saw many different miracles, but some people just doubted who he was, and he would look at them and answer their questions. And we, have, we serve a great God. And he sacrificed many different things for us. I mean, he, he gave heaven up to be born in a stable. That's amazing. If, if you don't get excited about that, I don't know what you get excited about. Because he gave up everything for me. He gave up everything for you. And he loves us even despite our faults and failures and our shortcomings. He's willing to do that for us. He was what we call the sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for us. Now, keep going in this and I want you to see the next point because I want to really go through this list and let you understand what it is. After the virgin birth, Jesus proceeded through human stages of, of development. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says this, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was, was upon him. Here it's showing that he is taking these, these, um, a person's capability and growing in stature. He was just a person just like we were at that point. But yet he was God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Here it's showing that, again, he's growing in stature. He's getting larger. Now these next ones, I'm going to just give you the verses. We're not going to read them. But when you look at Christ's humanity summarized, there's 11 categories we can find in the Bible that I found. The first one is his birth. That's found, and that's actually found in two, two verses, but I'm going to give you one. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And the verses we just read, Luke chapter 2, 40 and 252, is how he, 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 grew, he grew, the growth of him. To show that he was just like us. How many of you ever get fatigued? How many of you go, I just am so tired. Sometimes I, I lay in bed and go, oh, I just can't, I don't think I can go to sleep, and I'm going to sleep in three seconds. He was fatigued in John chapter 4, verse 6. 
Letter D, he was full of hunger in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. Does God get hungry? Hmm. No. But man does. Does God get fatigued? No. But man does. So he's got all these, he, he was thirsty. John chapter 19, verse 28. I want you to look these up later. John chapter 19, verse 28. He was thirsty. Does God need water to survive? No. Man does. So every one of these attributes is something that man does that God necessarily does not do. Indignation, Mark chapter 10, verse 14. Mark chapter 10, verse 14. Compassion, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, shows his compassion. Now God has compassion, but man does too. And it shows us that we can do what we need to do. The next one, sorrow, sorrowful. Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. These last three are very important. Temptation. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Why is this important? Because he was tempted just like we were. We didn't fall to it. You ever had a situation where you knew what to do and you didn't do it? And you felt bad afterwards? And then you had that same situation, you knew what to do and you did do it? How you felt about it? How good you felt about it? I remember when, my, when I was growing up, I, my mom and dad were not saved at a young age. They were saved older. I was, probably, I was probably eight or nine when they got saved. But I remember when my dad came home for the doctor. He's in the military. He smoked a lot. He was smoking two, packs a, two or three packs a day, and it was Marlboro unfiltered. I can remember them sitting all over our house. I remember it, I, was, I was six years old. I was in kindergarten, and my dad came home, and he got all the cigarettes in the house and burnt them. And he wasn't burning them as he's smoking them. He would burn them. And I remember what he said. He said, um, the doctor said I could either smoke for the next 10 years or I could live longer. And right now he's 87 years old. And I remember him giving that up, that temptation. And I want, that's a hard temptation because your body gets used to it. They know how to get you addicted, so you have to come back and get more. But I remember that day when he was walking around. I remember the day that he quit drinking. I remember all these things in my life. But here, God can give us a way of escape if we want to use it. Because he was tempted. And he was man and he was God, but on that man side, he was tempted. He wasn't going to sin, but he showed us that he can go through a temptation and not do it. And he was tempted by the greatest one. We can't say, Larry Hilton, we can't say, oh, the devil did this to us. Sometimes we get ourselves into it. But he could say that the devil was right there with him when he was at a weak moment. Why do you say that? How many of you ever went out without eating for 40 days? Hello? Anybody ever done a 40-day fast? I know of two people in my lifetime that have done that. And I just thought, oh my word, I don't know if I could do that. And in the weakest and lowest state, Satan himself comes and tempts him. And yet he doesn't fall. Temptation. That's something we gotta, we gotta, we gotta be thankful for that our, that our Savior, the Son of Man, the Son of God, went through. The next one is suffering. 
suffering. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. This is very important when it comes to the Son of Man. Because why? God can't suffer, but man can. When he was beaten and scourged, it was pain. And it was pain that he knew he would have to handle when he went up on that cross. Easter's right around the corner. And he died on the cross for us, and he knew all the pain. He knew what it was going to feel like. He knew what it was before it happened. That's why when he was praying, he said, if you could just take this cup away from me, God, please do it. But if, if I have to, I'll do it. And he did it. He was suffering for us. The verse here is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. He was suffering for us. This shows that he was son, the son of man. The next one. Can God die? No. Can man die? Yes. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3. I want to read this verse. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 3. It says this, it says, For I verily, as, as absent in the body, but present in the Spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. This is talking about death. He's going to die. And he did die. God can't die. God can't do, God, God was not born. He's not going to grow any bigger. He's not going to be fatigued. He's not going to be hungry. He's not going to be thirsty. He's going to have some compassion. He's going to have some sorrow because of the things that I do, not because of what he's done. He was not tempted and he, he, he won't be suffering, but he won't be in death. But Jesus went through this because he was humanity. He, Jesus Christ, humanity of Christ, Christ called himself man and was called by the same. So the next one is, why a Savior that was both de deity and humanity to make Him a personal Savior to man? To make Him a personal Savior to man. So write the word Savior. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-5, through 5, to make Christ a perfect mediator between God and man. We couldn't get to Jesus before that. What did they have to do? What did they have to do to talk to God? They had to go to the priest. The high priest had to, had to go in the Holy of Holies and see God. They didn't have to do that anymore. Why? Because he was a sacrifice. It was that man sacrifice for us. And so he was the mediator between God and man. That's very important for you to understand that. The next one, flip it over. There's one little point on the back. To make Christ the only possible sacrifice for our sins. Remember the story when Jesus died, the veil was rent from what? The top down. People knew it. The Holy of Holies was exposed. If you think of all the things that happened that day, I don't see why everybody on this earth didn't get saved. The centurion saw him and said, truly this is the Son of God. But when you're walking through Jerusalem and dead people are walking... That would scare me. And I would go, what's going on in Jerusalem? And they say, well, that Jesus, he just died. There was earthquakes, darkness when it wasn't supposed to be dark. You study Easter and you go, wow. If you were there, you'd be going, this is truly the Son of God. And in this, it shows us that he was the sacrifice. No longer do I have to go to a high priest and say, hey, I've done this. I am so thankful that I don't hear what your sins are. I don't want to know them. You could go straight to God. 
There are other denominations that you go tell a priest and the priest tells you. And I've worked at one of these churches. It was funny because I went to Baptist college, but a lot of us worked at a, a different type of church. We, we cleaned the building. And one time I remember the priest came in and said, hey, and he said me and my other guy's name, he said, don't let anybody come in here. I'm not feeling too good. You know what that meant? He was drunk. I remember somebody had a crisis and they came in. And I was like, I don't think he's here. I had to lie to the guy because I didn't want the guy to come out sauced when he came out. And here, you know what? We don't have to do this anymore. We don't have to go to high priest. We have Christ himself. Isn't that great to know? When I, when I think of how great Christ is and how great God is and how great, great Christ the man and Christ, the, Christ God was, it is amazing to me. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. But God commendeth His love toward us, and while that we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. I want to read you something. This is just somebody that wrote this, and this is a very interesting article. It's a poetic tribute by an unknown author. Now, you're going to have to really listen to understand this because it's going to repeat some things. I'll probably read it twice through. It says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We behold His glory. The glory of the only begotten Son of God. The Word who is Christ is the beginning. He is the beginner of the beginning. He is the beginner in whom the beginning began. In fact, He is the beginning before the beginning began. Thus, He is the beginning who did not begin. He did not start, for He had nowhere to come from. It's an interesting statement. He will not stop, for He knows no eternal boundaries. He is eternal logos of forever and ever. He has, now, he has nowhere to go, for he occupies the immensity of space. He's everywhere. He does not look around for his eyes are in every place. He is older than time, yet younger than the future. That's an amazing statement. He is Christ, the Son of the living God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. How could he? For he was God. He is what he was. He was what he is, and what he is, is, and what he is, he always will be. And when 10 billion years have burned into the ashes of forever, his face will still be beaming with the bliss of eternal and divine youth. That's who Jesus is. I want you to read, I want to read that one more time because you're going, oh wow, listen to this statement. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, the Word who is Christ, is the beginning. He is the beginner of the beginning. He is the beginner in whom the beginning began. In fact, He is the beginning before the beginning began. Thus He is the beginning who did not begin. He did not start, for He had nowhere to come from. He will not stop, for He knows no eternal boundaries. He is the eternal logos of forever and ever. He has nowhere to go, for He occupies the immensity of space. He does not look around, for His eyes are in every place. He is older than time, yet younger than the future. He is Christ, the Son of the living God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. How could He? For He was God. He is what He was. He was what He is, and what He is, He will always be. And when 10 billion years have burned into the ashes of forever, His face will still be beaming with the bliss of eternity, 
eternal and divine youth. That's who Jesus is. I want to tell you, he didn't start and he won't finish. He'll always go. There's never going to be a finish. There's never going to be a start. But for 33 years, he came to this earth. And he became the sacrifice for our sins. This church would be different if he didn't do that. This altar would look totally different. There would be sacrifices of lambs. There would be sacrifices of animals. But he was a perfect sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, he felt the suffering, just like we would. I don't know if you ever had the privilege of getting poked with a needle. But when they put that that thorn of crowns around his head, he felt every aspect of it. When they beat him with the cat of nine tails, which would kill somebody normally. 39 times those Roman soldiers knew exactly what they were doing. It was an art, they said. They knew how to do it and they worked from the head down. They worked back up. And they would hit all the weak moments, weak spots, and they would rip rip a person apart. And he felt every pain. And what was different about him is he never said anything. Because he knew he had to do that. And why did he do it? For me and for you. He was the son of man and he was the son of God. Please don't take anything out of context. He was, he was the, the humanity of Christ is very important for us to understand. Because as he was tempted, we are tempted and we can get through it if we have his, his help. He understands us. He understands people. And God sent His Son, as the Bible said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And that Son became man and God at the same time. And it's very important for us to understand this, this doctrine of the humanity of Christ. He was a person, and yet He was, he was God. It's very important for our belief system to understand what the Bible says. And it's so intertwined in the Old Testament and the New Testament that there's no way you can mistake it. God knew exactly what He was doing, had these men write about it, and we understand every aspect of what, why He was a man. Aren't you thankful that He became a man for 33 years and died on a cross for our salvation? That's what it was all about. And He understands us. He cares for us. I think one of the most compassionate verses in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Everybody says, oh, I memorized a verse. But He wept because He loved the people. He didn't wept for Lazarus. He wept for the people that were there. He understood their sorrow because He was a man and He was a God. 